Rick Jensen on 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL. Well, this year, I was actually quite thrilled to see a Falun Gong represented at the Ellesmere Christmas Parade. Oh, it was, it was fantastic because it's something that more people need to know about. You may have heard of it as Falun Gong, Falun Dafa. It's uh, two names for one and the same practice. It is ancient. It is affiliated in many ways with Buddhism. And the Chinese Communist government is slaughtering people and imprisoning them, putting them in work camps simply because they are practicing this peaceful religion. And without getting into a whole lot of detail, I mean, you've listened to my show over the last 20 years, and you know I've talked about this and said more and more people need to be aware of this, especially in government. And the Chinese communist government needs to be penalized, sanctioned, whatever it, it takes to stop this genocide against these peaceful people. If you see people who are... Asian, and they're actually practicing something like meditation while they're sitting, not necessarily Tai Chi, which is very, very different from uh, Falun Gong or Falun Dafa, which just means uh, practice of the law wheel or great way of the law wheel. It is exercises, and I will improperly pronounce it as Shigong, but it is a way of achieving meditation, and the goal of this particular religion is one to um, cultivate the mind and the body and uh, be respectful to others, the world, and yourself. Unfortunately, in communist China, there's only one religion, and that's communism. On the phone right now is Mr. Levi Browdy, and uh, I want to get to Levi Browdy first. Levi, thanks for being on, sir. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, Levi's executive director for the Falun Dafa Information Center. Did I fairly well describe in the introduction, how we might have a synopsis of what Falun Dafa, Falun Gong is? Yeah, I think that was excellent, Rick. Clearly, you guys have been covering this a lot on your show. That was very good. We have, I yeah. And and Mr. Uh, William Huang, whose name I know I just mispronounced, because I don't get enough breath in, in the vowels uh, with, with the language. And uh, strikingly, uh, William, you are a survivor of this persecution you were going to a university in China known as China's MIT. Tell us about your arrest. What happened and why? Okay. Uh, thank you very much for having, having me here today. Um, yeah, my name is uh, William Huang. Um, I started to practice Falun Gong in 1998 when I was a student at uh, Tsinghua University in Beijing. Uh, Tsinghua University, people call it uh, China's MIT, basically it's the number, number one engineering institute in China. Um, unfortunately, on July 20th, 1999, exactly 23 years ago, the then leader Jiang Zemin started the persecution against Falun Gong. By that time, I was a PhD candidate for that school. Um, because I, I didn't give up my faith in Falun Gong, I was illegally arrested and uh, put in jail for uh, totally five years, from December 2000 to December 2005. Um, I was in uh, Guangdong Province Zhuhai Detention Center for two years, then in uh, Guangdong Province Sihui Prison for another three years. During these five years, I experienced a lot of uh, ongoing and severe tortures. For example, 
um, I was forced to do slave labor for 18 hours a day in the detention center. About 20 prisoners were squeezed into a cell about uh, about 250 square feet, you know, eating, sleeping, using the toilet, and slave labor all happened in that small space. It was literally a living hell. The workload was very intense. No weekends, no holidays. We were forced to make all kinds of uh, handmade products, like uh, plastic flowers for decoration, the Christmas tree lights, um, basket for um, Chinese mooncake, high, uh, like a, a high-quality necklace for women, uh, in the, also in you know, the Spider-Man toys, you name it, a lot. And yeah, that and and by the way, I I want to put a highlight on that verbally, if I may. I want people to know that far too many products still sold in this country were made by slave labor. I know you say forced labor, but it is slave labor in certain provinces in China by folks uh, who are Falun Gong. And I just want people to realize: you say Spider-Man toys, it's possible that some kid playing with a Spider-Man toy here in America. To be playing with a toy that's that was made with slave labor in China. So, so please, so William, continue. Thank you. That's exactly correct. When I just came to this country, I saw the exactly same products we made in the stores, priced very cheaply with the Made in China label. I was really shocked. And uh, you can imagine how dirty that environment is. But the most horrible thing is we were forced to process a kind of food that's uh, cuts open the hard shells of pistachio nuts using a pair of big iron pliers. Our sweat, tears, blood, and even the puff from blisters all soaked into these nuts mm. during the process. The prisoners even use their urine to soften the nuts before cutting the shell open. It, it, it will be easier. So that's so horrible experience. Was there any other crime of which you were accused, aside from practicing this peaceful Buddhist religion, Falun Gong? They always can find an excuse to um, to arrest Falun Gong practitioners. The name is like uh, um, disturb the order of the society or something like that. They always can find an excuse to arrest Falun Gong practitioners as long as you are. Um, because they have a name list of who practice Falun Gong, they, they know um, clearly um, the Falun practitioners, so they can arrest anybody with any excuse. How did you secure your release? Was it just a five-year sentence and they let you go? Um, I was sentenced to five years imprisonment originally. After five years, they had to release me, but they still assigned two policemen escorted me back to uh, Beijing, where I was, uh, where my resident ID uh, was located. Then they uh, transferred me to the local system office. Basically, that is the office uh, who uh, um, especially, you know, um, persecuted Falun Gong in China. Did you have to escape China or were you allowed to leave? I think I'm uh, fortunate enough because I was persecuted in Guangdong province that's far away from uh, Beijing. 
but my resident ID location is in Beijing because I, I went to school there. Then since that, that their system is not coordinated well, so I still get my passport in Beijing. Then I uh, apply the scholarship from uh, the Ohio State University in the USA. Then I eventually got a student visa. So I, uh, I'm lucky enough to come to this country. What about the rest of your family? This is a pretty, pretty sad story. Um, my parents also practiced Falun Gong, but unfortunately they both passed away about 10 years ago. They were also persecuted. Um, in at least in 2000, in the year 2000, they went to Tiananmen Square to display the Falun Dafa banner there. Then they were arrested. And uh, a couple of years um, later, they were sent to the brainwashing center, basically just uh, um, just a, a very horrible place as well to persecute the Falun Gong. They were um, forced to watch the video, to read the book, Demonizing Falun Gong, that kind of thing. And uh, about 10 years ago, um, they both passed away. But because I spoke up in this country about the human rights violation in, in China, so I cannot go back to see them all. That's a very heart-wrenching story for me. If you just tuned in, you're hearing the story from Mr. William Huang, who uh, was tortured and uh, forced into slave labor in China, a Chinese labor camp, because the Chinese Communist government forbids religions that are not, well, communism. And it's the Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa, uh, as well as the Uyghurs, who we've talked about on this program as well. And when uh, the documentary Unsilenced uh, came out, I want you to know that Mr. Huang was also one of the characters the movie was based upon as well. We had listeners, Levi, who uh, saw that and called in the next day just so emotional over the the fact that this is happening right now in China and you have American companies doing business in these provinces in China. Do we have goods coming into this country that are still being manufactured by slave labor? Oh, for sure. And I think the trying to impose anything like that, is there no transparency inside China about pretty much anything, a chain of custody, anything, whether it's products or anything else? So there's a lot of examples of products being built in a, in a labor camp or slave labor by Falun Gong or Uyghurs or others, and they just move them to another warehouse in a different province and say that it comes from there. Um, so there's, given that there's no transparency pretty much to any of these mechanisms inside China, you can't trust where it's coming from. All right. Uh, been a lot of controversy over NBA players and their support of China in the face of this slavery, slave labor. Is there any uh, proof that uh, these products are still making their way into, like, uh, NBA uh, the shoes or anything like that? Um, I'm not sure about the shoes themselves, but I have heard, I mean, very much like William's story, there are many other stories uh, like that of, of Falun Gong practitioners uh, thankfully being rescued to the United States, um, and lo and behold, they walk into a Marmot or a store, and they find all kinds of different products that they themselves have made. So that is not an uncommon story to hear. Um, from Falun Gong who are now in the West. So uh, why isn't there a ban? Why isn't there a, like a U.S. government ban on products that are suspected to be made by slave labor in China? That's a, that's a difficult thing to answer. I think it speaks primarily to the fact of just how far the CCP has come 
in entrenching themselves into our political, our economic, our media systems. Um, they really have a lot of um, tentacles in, in, in a lot of parts of our society. You know, Freedom House came up with a, a groundbreaking report on what they call transnational repression uh, back in 2021. And no surprise to anyone, they found that the Chinese government is the leading aggressor, meaning the leading government to persecute dissidents and other groups outside of China. And the way they do it is very multifaceted. It's very sophisticated. They will use economic means, political means, um, all kinds of things, even down to very base tactics of, of, of thuggery. I mean, we've had, we've had many Falun Gong practitioners that have just been beat up in their home, on the streets, right here in the United States. So there is a tremendous effort by the CCP to silence and marginalize groups outside China, primarily Falun Gong, and they will leverage all of those mechanisms to try and achieve that. And I think a ban would be a big tarnish on that effort, and, and it is a lot of what the, this transnational repression that the Chinese regime is, is engaged in is targeted on making sure something like that never happens. And I, you know, in, in many cases, there's just too much money on the line. There's too much political clout online. My sense is that's the issue. I've talked on this program also about the Chinese Communist government. Uh, you call it, you know, CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. And uh, just so people know, when they say CCP, that's what we're talking about here. And the leverage that uh, the Chinese Communist government has here, especially on politicians. So I've talked about uh, Mitch McConnell, Republican. Uh, he married Lin Chao. And her father now makes uh, millions of dollars in uh, trade with China. And he's gone really soft on China as well. And two-thirds of Americans in a recent poll believe that our very own president is, is being leveraged by uh, Chinese uh, companies that are indeed leveraged or owned by the Chinese government as well. Is this part of the problem that you see when it comes to our government having a ban or doing anything serious regarding this genocide that's going on with the Falun Gong in China? I, I think there's a two-pronged problem. I think the first problem is exactly what you're talking about. The CCP even, ha even has a word for this tactic. It's called elite capture. The idea of compromising in some way various leaders, whether they be business or political or what have you, around the world, and making sure that they're sort of towing the CCP line. So that's certainly one category. I think there is another category that is often overlooked, and that is most people in the West don't really understand just how nefarious the CCP is. And I'll just give you one example, and I'll go back to something that William had, had mentioned very briefly in passing. He said something called the 610 office. Falun Gong, when it was first introduced to the public in the 90s, it was widely popular. I mean, people sort of in Falun Gong saw a resurgence of traditional Chinese culture for the first time in decades. They've been living under Marxism and Leninism, and here was something that was truly heartland Chinese. It was very much beloved. One in every 13 people in the country were practicing it. So... When the Chinese regime decided to, to, to persecute it, largely because of the numbers, there were 100 million people practicing, they realized that they need an extra legal apparatus. This is how far they would go in order to persecute Falun Gong. So Jiang Zemin, who was the head of the CCP at the time, he set up this thing called the 610 office, which is more commonly referred to as China's Gestapo for Falun Gong, because that's all they did. They were 100% focused on Falun Gong, and they operated very much like a Gestapo. They'd bang, bang down your door in the middle of the night. They'd pull you out of work. They'd throw people into labor camps. They would fine-tune the way in which you brainwash a Falun Gong practitioner 
using torture and high-pressured methods, not just to get them to renounce their faith, but then to get them to profess their love of communism. That was really the goal of this whole transformation process. The idea that a government on the world stage would have an entity like the 610 office in this day and age operating under full authority of the leader of that government, I think it just most people in the West just can't conceive of this. They don't realize that this is the nature of the regime they're dealing with. And if you don't realize that, it's hard to deal with the regime in an appropriate manner. And I think it can't be overstated that that ignorance, that lack of knowledge of exactly what the CCP is, contributes to a lot of this. I understand uh, you're listening to Mr. Levi Browdy, Executive Director of the Falun Dafa Information Center. Now, millions of Falun Dafa, Falun Gong, in China remain at risk of slave labor and being killed just because they follow this peaceful religion. What can we do? Just regular folks here in America, what can we do? Well, Delaware's Senator Coons, along with Senator Cotton, have introduced something called the Stop Forced Organ Harvesting Act. Congress had made proclamations and things like that condemning forced organ harvesting, but this is the first thing with teeth, something that would actually have an effect. And this is now before our Congress getting everyone to call the representatives and say, we've got to get this thing passed. What is the proof that uh, the Chinese Communist government is uh, torturing uh, these innocent people and harvesting their organs for profit? Now, forced organ harvesting, the most exhaustive uh, examination of this issue uh, concluded about two years ago in something called the China Tribunal. It was chaired by the prosecutor who brought uh, Slobodan Milosevic to trial in the, in the, for war crimes. So he was the one who headed up this tribunal. They spent a year calling forth dozens and dozens of experts, either medical, legal, um, security enforcement, to try and investigate the organ harvesting allegations in China, and they indeed found that this is true. And not only is it true, 60 to 100,000 Falun Gong per year are likely being killed in this manner. So just to give you a, a thumbnail of a couple of the, the pieces of evidence they looked at, undercover investigators called into Chinese hospitals, talked to doctors and administrators who openly confirmed that, yes, we actually have Falun Gong people here in waiting they live very healthy lifestyles, so if you need any kind of vital organ, a heart, lung, whatever it is, oh my God, come into China, ch come into China, and we'll tr we'll we'll do the operation. So they openly admit this. We have recordings, authenticated recordings of doctors admitting this. We also have, if you just look at the sheer number of transplantations, they had almost none none in China right before they started cracking down on Falun Gong, and then right as hundreds of thousands, and then eventually millions of Falun Gong were being incarcerated, suddenly. China explodes as a transplant destination, exactly in keeping with the number of Falun Gong they're held, held in prisons. We had lots of witnesses come forth um, and testify, so there was a lot of evidence there, but the China Tribunal, I think, was the most authoritative uh, gotcha. body, and they were the ones that said, yeah, this is happening. Mr. Levi Browdy, Executive Director of Falun Dafa Information Center, and William Huang, a survivor of this persecution and genocide, thank you both for being on, and folks, you can go to Fallen Info, Fallen Info, F-A-L-U-N, info.net to learn more.